You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. God's word this morning. I want to I want to talk to you about a couple of ideas here this morning, kind of kind of big picture ideas, and uh, we're ending the series on uh, adversity and trials and troubles. You know, uh, it's it's entitled When Life Stinks, um, and some of you are going fabulous. That was the stinkiest series I've ever listened to in my life. I didn't like it. Uh, none of us like talking about adversity. None of us like talking about troubles. And we don't like asking the hard questions uh, about God and to God when we go through difficult circumstances and situations. Uh, but we tried to unpackage some of those over the last four or five weeks with you and uh, help you to look at that and maybe understand God in a bigger way. Also, uh, come to grips with, with your own questions about God and His sovereignty and such as that. Uh, great dialogue from people uh, all through these weeks about some of these issues that, that were raised. Um, and so we've had, a, we've had a good time with a hard subject, you know, and we've wrestled around with this subject. And we're going to conclude it today with a sermon titled, When Life Stinks, Encourage One Another. All right? When life stinks, encourage one another. And what we, we've done is we've, we've tried to see where God might fit into the picture of difficulties and adversities in life, where he might be and, and what he might want to do. And uh, we've tried to see his goodness in all of this and to see his bigness in all of this. And then last week we tried to help you to, to understand the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in adversities and in difficulties and the comforting power of God in, in the place of troubles and trials in life and all of that. And so we see God at work, the Father. We also see the Holy Spirit at work. And this morning, I want to try to unpackage this in a way possibly that you can begin to see your role and your responsibility in the work that needs to be done during difficult times, all right? And so that's where we're going to go this morning. I have a key passage I want to, I want to read to you here this morning, and then we'll pray and go from there, all right? This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. It says in the NIV, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. That's the key right there, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Those who have died who know Jesus, they, they, will, they will come with Him. All right? Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that when we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, that could be us, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who are already dead. All right? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then I love this verse, and this is where we're going to camp today for a little bit. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. What words? That Jesus is coming again. And not only that He's coming again, but those who are dead in Christ are going to rise up out of their dead state and they're going to be joined with Jesus in the air. And not only that, we who are alive will join them. 
So there's a point in time that is coming when Jesus is going to come back again. All right? And that's what we want to we want to encourage each other with that idea, with that that promise of God, if you will, uh, that he is coming again. You know, when, when we say encourage one another, I think a lot of us will ask the question immediately. Well, with what? You know, when I'm going through a hard place, what, what do I grab a hold of to, to encourage me? What do I grab a hold of to encourage my friend who's in that desperate or that, that difficult place or they've, they're, they're, they've lost a loved one or whatever the case may be? All right, How do I encourage someone? This is it, folks. This is where we go. And this is ultimately where we have to rest in our faith and our trust in God. And that is that Jesus is coming again. All right? we, don't, we don't trust in this world. Obviously, we can't trust in the economy. Obviously, we can't trust in other nations. Obviously, we can't trust in the price of oil. There, there's so many things. And a number of you would honestly say, you know what, I've lived a life for a season long enough to know relationally that I can't always trust everybody else either. And so we live in this world where there's a lot of precarious places and, and precarious events around us. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is it? What do we pull from to encourage one another? King David, when he was in a very difficult time of his life, he was beginning to, 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 to think some things. And he didn't like what he was thinking. And he begins to talk to himself. And, uh, and, and this wasn't a sign of craziness. This wasn't some point of alarm some of you could do some good self-talk all right some of sometimes you just need to talk to yourself not somebody else all right you need to talk to God and then you need to talk that back to yourself sometimes and David says you know what why am I downcast you know he's trying to figure this out he's trying to think this through why am I in this miserable place why am I downcast in other words why am I I bummed out about things why am I in this place of feeling depressed or feeling despair or whatever and then immediately he says something to himself that I think we need to grab a hold on and and sort of do some personal application here with it. he says put your hope in God he wasn't talking to anyone else he's talking to himself David put your hope in God you know I, I, I was thinking about this as I, I was doing this sermon. I, I ran yesterday morning I got up it was supposed to be my my big run, one of my big runs because I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon in October and I, I I have this calendar of like runs and how fast they should be and how far they should be and all that stuff and I'm not at all legalistic about it hallelujah but I did get up yesterday and think I'm going to run one of these hard runs and and they just built this big viaduct over by Sioux Falls Christian School in my neighborhood and I thought you know I should run that big hill and run it back and run down a ways and run it again and all, you know and so I put in 10 plus miles and and a couple of times over these big hills you know uh, but there was a point uh, when I was was running and I started to talk to myself and I don't talk to myself a lot I but but when it gets tough I I, I can do that and I honestly started laughing I'm, I'm at about nine and a half miles or so I'm approaching that 10 mile mark and, and I started laughing, and the reason I was is because I was about to go over that hill again, and that's a big, big hill, that new hill they put over the railroad tracks over there. And, and as I'm starting to, to get towards the hill, I can see it from where I'm at. I had run from, like, Louise Avenue, and, and I'd passed Minnesota Avenue, and I'd passed Cliff Avenue, and now I'm right at the precipice of that hill, and, I'm looking, and I started laughing. And it wasn't because it was a joyous moment. It was because I said to myself, this is like nine miles, 
and you're going to run 26. You know, and I'm like, you know, I haven't run that, you know, really a long run for a while, and I'm only at, at mile nine, and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this again, and I'm going to go back and run again and come back to this hill again. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. And I'm thinking about how old I am. And then I thought that someone had just pointed out how old I was. Uh, a few days before, uh, and and then after, and, and Pastor Daniel and I sat together and and talked at a restaurant, and he didn't know this. I laughed because he he made a reference to a gentleman being old, an, an older man, and and then the reference was that that actually that man was younger, I think probably than I was, maybe or somewhere. We were about the same age, but anyway, he referenced how old I was, and I said I got it, you know, I I, I know, but he didn't know that someone had just like called me old, and told me I shouldn't do these kinds of things, that I'm old and too old to do these kinds of. You know, and so I'm I'm out there laughing. But what I did is I was hurting. And and, and when I laughed, I mean I was hurting inside. I, my body was hurting. My hips were hurting. My shoulders were hurting. It was a it was a tough moment. And I I was I could have turned right at Cliff Avenue and gone home, and it would called it good. You know. And I was like, do I do this or do I not do this? And I thought of King David. And I thought he he just talked to us. So I talked to Bill for a minute, and I said, you know what? Twenty six is a long ways. A lot longer than nine. If you can't do nine and a little more, you'll never do 26. You just got to do it. Buckle down and get her done. And I finished the run. I came home. Yeah, I did hurt, but I, I finished the run. You know what? Paul says in the scriptures that I ran a good race. I have run a good race. I've run it well. I've, I've done all right. And I, I'm, I'm going to finish well. And that's where every one of us needs to be, at that place where we are determined that we're going to finish well. And so I want us today to realize that when difficult times are in front of us, regardless of what they are or what dimension that they're in in our lives, you know, whatever the context of that place is, I want you to understand something is that you need to find encouragement. And then here's the deeper like, challenge, and that is that you may be the encouragement that someone else needs. And that's, that's what I want to get us to today. But let's start here in this place of 1 Thessalonians and let's realize that there is something we have to be encouraged about. All right? There's something that you and I have to hold on. When we can't put our trust in other things, we can put our trust in the truth and the faithfulness of God's word. And God says, I am going to send my son again. Jesus says he is going to come back again. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Begin at verse 6. It says that they gathered around him, meaning Jesus, the disciples, the followers did. And they asked him this. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says this to them. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let's stop there for just a moment. That's where we have been for some time now as we've been reaching out into the neighborhood and beyond. We have been setting our sights on evangelism. We've been setting our sights on reaching the lost people. And the only way we have been able to do that and do that effectively, and we've been more effective than we ever have been in this, this, this outreach and this evangelism that we've been doing, is that, that we understand that the Holy Spirit has given us power. The Holy Spirit has come upon us, and the Holy Spirit has given us authority and power, and we have become witnesses. And so we're beginning to live out of that identity. But he says, uh, after this, after he tells them this, it says that he was taken up before their very eyes in a cloud, and, and he, the, the cloud hid him from their sight. He went to be with the Father. He ascended and left this earth, and he went to be the Father. 
with the Father. And it says in verse 10 that they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. All right, what did they say? They said, just as he went or as he is going, he will come again. In the same way that he has gone out from you, he is going to come back again. All right? And this is the, this is the message that we have to encourage us is that just as he is taken from you into heaven, he will come back with you from, from heaven and he will be with you again. All right? That is the encouragement that we have. We are called to encourage one another. John chapter 14, verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Not that I'll just come back, but you will be with me. All right? That's the great promise. It, you know, I don't want to just know that Jesus is just coming back. You know, he's going to appear again, maybe be here for a little while, leave again, you know, come and go, this kind of thing. No, the hope is not just in the return of Jesus. Folks, the hope is that in his resurrection and his return, he has done something amazing. Number one, in his resurrection, he has made the way for you and I to live eternally. And in his coming again, he will fulfill that commitment to make us like him. And we will live with him forever. That is the encouraging words. All right? The idea here is that we will have troubles on this earth. That isn't the whole picture. All right? Please understand that. Because when we, when we preach series of messages, sometimes we, we put our, our blinders on almost and we just stay right there. There's a bigger picture than just that there will be troubles in this earth. There are going to be troubles. It is a sinful world. But take hope. There is an encouragement for you and I, and that is that we are not even of this world. All right? We're not even of the troubles. We're not of the sin. We're not of the difficulties. We're not of the obstacles that, that bombard us and come against us in this world. We are aliens already by virtue of the adoption. The spirit of adoption has taken you out of this world already, in a sense, in that you are no longer a citizen of this world. Though you have to follow the laws and abide by, by the laws that govern the nation, the reality is that you have a deeper citizenship, you have a deeper identity, you have a deeper commitment, and that is to the living God. All right? And so you're no longer part of this. You don't, you don't need to hold on to this. You don't need to stay in this earth, all right, and, and get your roots down here so deeply. Don't hold on to things in this earth so tightly, all right? Let go of some things here so that the Holy Spirit can begin to work through you and move through you, and you can be the instrument, all right, of encouragement to others. We hold on to this reality that this same resurrection that Jesus has experienced is our resurrection as well. We are between the resurrections, if you will, all right? And as we live there, then we encourage one another with that truth and that reality. You've got a life beyond this flesh and blood, all right? That, that isn't the end here at all, okay? So he says, I'm going to go, I'm going to prepare a place, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. That's the word of encouragement. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. And so given that, I want to say this to you, all right? We are called then to encourage one another. That is, that is the mandate, that is the mantle that God puts upon us. Now, let me try to prove that to you based on Scripture, all right? Not just that it's a good idea or it's kind of a good thing 
or it would be a good thing to do, or because we need to be encouraged, so we should encourage each other. Now, I think, I think that all through the scriptures, there are some threads of this idea of how important it is to encourage one another. Now, let me tell you something. I have seen this, and I've read this from other writers and, and pastors and teachers in the body of Christ, and it is said that today, sometimes fellow believers are the greatest discouragers of all. And this is one reason that so many groups and so many, uh, 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 what, what's, the, what's the word I'm trying to find here? Cults, per se, uh, um, gangs are, are, are forming and are having success in, in drawing in numbers is because there's not only a camaraderie, but they stand with each other and they care about each other, and they build each other up. I've talked to a, a few young people in, in the last number of months just, just trying to get, a, get an idea of what's going on in their heads. And many of them will say that, well, so-and-so, they, they got my back. They care about me. They love me. They'll take care of me. I trust them. You know, they don't trust God. They don't trust the church. They don't trust their parents. They don't tr- trust school teachers or authority figures. They trust those who are in their little group. Who, has, who have made a commitment to stand by them because they say, they will be there for me. And in the church today, most people cannot say that because the church is not living at that level of, of fellowship and relationship with one another. And it is very difficult for people who are in the church who are alone, not lonely, alone, that there's a deeper impact to being alone than being just lonely, all right? You can be lonely, all right, and go find a friend to hang out with, but you can be in a mall with a 1,000 people or in a church service with 60 people and still be alone. And that is a, that is a tool of the enemy to try to separate you off and get you to that place where you're feeling as though there is no one who cares about me. There is no one there for me. I am all alone. i got to try this pathway and deal with this difficulty in my life all by myself. And that is such a lie out of the pit of hell. God never intended for you to be that way. And God never intended for the church to grow and to, and to, to uh, evolve into this kind of place where people can feel alone. All right? That is not God's intent, and that is not the intent of life, church. Though we have found ourselves in that place from time to time, and perhaps you're one of those people who have found your place, yourself in that, in that place in life church. I apologize for that because that is not who we are. That's not who we want to be. And we've got to continue to do more and more things to alleviate that aloneness and the ability for the, for the devil to get into people's minds and hearts and to isolate them and, and hive them off from the rest of the body of Christ. All right? And that's going to take intentionality and initiative on the part of all of us to be able to do that because we are called to encourage one another. We are called to be there for one another. This is a, this is a challenging message. And listen, I, I told Pastor Dave, I said, yeah, I'm going to preach that last message and it's going to be short and sweet. I'm just going to preach for just a few minutes and prove that the resurrection is real and that Jesus is coming again. And I'm going to say hallelujah and have everybody just like stand up and, and rah-rah and shout and we're all going to be done and go home. It's going to be one of the most positive, short, little blessed messages I've ever preached. And, in, in, and I, I called him, or, or talked to him the other day. I, I said, hey, can we get together and talk about the sermon? Because I knew, after God dealt with my heart, that I had a different message. And I believe this is a pertinent message for Life Church today. And I, and I went over with him because I, wanted, I, I needed to know. I needed to be assured. 
I needed some confirmation that, that, I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing God here because I believe this is God's heart. I believe this is a big, big piece of God's heart right here that I'm sharing with you today. And the end of the message was to be that the resurrection is our, our, our hope and is our comfort, all right? And how we deal with troubles in this life is to embrace the resurrection and, and live under the, the, the banner of the resurrection. That is all true. But that resurrection message is meant to be utilized by the body of Christ to encourage one another. Now, let me take you into, the, into some other scriptures here. Let's look at, at 2 Samuel chapter 19, beginning at, uh, well, let's just look at verse 7. Now, go out and encourage your men. He's talking, talking to David here. Go, go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth until now. David never had a really great, fun life, all right? David was on the run a lot, and David suffered a lot, and, 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 and men that David put his trust in tried to kill him, even from, from a youth, all right? And he was put down by his own brothers. His family dynamics were rough, and then when he got into to the, the king's quarters, that was rough, and then he, he, he went on the run, and that was rough. So David didn't have a great, joyous uh, easy, wonderful little childhood uh, to grow up in. And his, his, his early adult life was, was just as equally as discouraging in some ways, all right? But he had g gotten to the place where he's, he, he was called of God and anointed of God, and he knew he was going to be king, all right? And, and, and during that time, God was working in his heart to help him to learn how to lead men. And he had gotten some men around him at this particular point, whenever this was. And, 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 but there's, there, these men are not... Uh, hopeful. These men are not encouraged. These men are not uh, confident at all. And here's what he says. You, you, David, you go and encourage your men. You have a responsibility to encourage them. And this is what he says to them. If you don't, they're going to leave you. They, they're going to leave. They're, why would they stay, David, if, they don't, if they're not getting encouraged, if they're, not, if they're not growing in confidence, if they're not growing in assurance? They're not going to stay. They're going to go. And here's the deal, David. When they're gone, your state is going to be worse than all the calamities that have happened to you up until now. The last thing you need right now, David, at this point when you're about to, to be ushered into your authority and your role as the king of Israel and lead a whole nation, the last thing you need right now is for people to, be, to abandon you and, and to leave. So let me just stop and interject something right here. I, I, I was feeling this quite... I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, and I, I said to Pastor Dave in a meeting that we had, I said, listen, Pastor, I believe that we need, I don't remember the exact words I used, I, I believe that we need to be more intentional about encouraging the people of Life Church, in particular those who have responsibilities in leadership, that, that we're encouraging them more and more. And I, I even started to list some, some names of some people that I wanted to immediately in, encourage on my piece of paper. And I told him, I said, I'm going to get some cards so we can encourage people. All right, we want to be intentional about that. So it, it, it was brewing in my heart. And then when this message started to really uh, take form and take shape, I really felt really, really strongly about that. And so I, I want to just, I just want to say something to you here for a moment. And this is just Pastor Bill out of his heart. And that is that it, if we have failed as leaders to encourage you. Please forgive us. All right, if, if you've walked away at any point in time and you felt discouraged, 
by our ministry to you or by the ministry of Life Church, would you please forgive us? Because that was never our intention. And would you allow us the opportunity to encourage you? Would you, would you let us have another chance to be in your life for good and to do good and to encourage you and to bless you? And if you will do that, would you also allow God to help you to encourage others? All right? And, and now, here, here's the Don't come find me and Pastor Dave and just encourage us. All right? We're all right. All right? We love your encouragement, and, but we get a lot of encouragement. We feel like we get a lot of encouragement. We love our job. You know, it, we, we, we enjoy pastoring you. All right? It, it's fun. It's hard as a dickens, but it's just so much fun. We just love you, all right? Um, what we don't love sometimes is how inadequate we feel to pastor you. So we all need to be encouraged. But I'm talking about shoulder to shoulder, you know, chair to chair. When, when we first came up with that concept of bridging the gap, it wasn't just so we could all have a little fun. The idea was that we would meet here and in the context of Life Church, we could be uh, a blessing to each other and we could have fellowship. And, and, and we even said it a couple of times early on. Let's, you know, talk to somebody, encourage them, you know, bless them, build them up. You know, find somebody you don't know and get to know them so you can be a blessing in their life. Those kinds of things, all right? If we're going to reach this neighborhood, if we're going to reach out into this neighborhood the way that we believe that God has called us to do, if we're going to have a vision to make an impact in this city at the level that we believe God is speaking to us about, it is going to require every single person doing everything that God tells them to do in obedience to be able to do that. All right? It can't just be a pastor-led, pastor-done kind of thing. It's going to require people saying yes to God and getting involved and getting active and being intentional to do that. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you do not grow weary in your well-doing. And if you don't grow weary in your well-doing in due season, you will reap a harvest because that is the promise of God's Word. And some, sometimes these outreaches are challenging because they're a lot of work. And some of the other things that we're going to do are going to be challenging. But as pastors, we want to encourage you. And we want to learn how. We're on a learning curve here because we're both determined to be greater encouragers than we have been in the past. And I'm asking all of you to learn how to be a better encourager. Job chapter 16, verse 5. You know Job. Nobody had it worse than Job in the Bible, did they? But my mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. All right? I don't think sometimes we understand the power of a spoken word. Not just the word that can build up and encourage and bless, but the word that can tear down and discourage and curse. And the word of God says you can't have two different fountains coming out of the same source. You can't have good water and bad water coming out of the same fountain. You can't have drinking water and salty water coming out of the same... It doesn't work. It's one or the other. And I want to challenge us that we live in that place of being encouragers. Psalm chapter 10, uh, or the 10th Psalm, verse 17. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted, the troubled, the needy, the ones who are going through tough times, all right? You encourage them 
and you listen to their cry. I remember one lady, she wasn't, she's not in our church anymore. She was in our church years ago. And she, she said, you know, my husband and I, we just keep an ear out. We just listen all the time. We're just listening for a way to help somebody. And we try to help people. We, got, we, we set aside a certain amount of our, our resources, and they're just to help people. And you know what? We're just, we're just always, our ear is just kind of there. And, and every once in a while, it's like, boom, there it is. And we just hear somebody in conversation in the church. And, and we then help provide for whatever that need is. And they don't even know it. She said, we, we don't do it you know, openly. We, just, we, we, we find a way to get it to them. Somebody else maybe is helping them, and we just give it to them, and, and they help them. She said, but we're always listening. The ear is always open, and, and we help wherever God leads us to help. And I just wonder if we couldn't be more like the Lord who hears the desire of the afflicted and encourages them because he listens for their cry. The Bible says he's roaming about, listening, listening for that cry. All right? And so here's what I want to say to you. Encouragement is so powerful. It's actually, I mean, it's, well, it's actually one of the gifts listed in Romans. All right? Yeah, Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Look at that. If your gift, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. It's actually relegated to being a gift of the Spirit. So you and I, I mean, some people are more gifted than others for encouragement. I understand that. There are some of you that when you wake up in the morning, there is no way on God's green earth that you're going to encourage anybody, including yourself. You're the one in need at that moment. All right? When your eyes awaken in the morning and it's early, you do not want someone like me next to you. All right, because I wake up and I sing, and I joke, and I, I I do crazy things, you know. So you know, look, pray for my wife. She will tell you I'm not. I, she and I are not in the same place on, on early in the morning. But I, I I'm predisposed to energy and getting up quick and getting awake quick. It doesn't take me time to do that. But there's some of you, it's a slower process. And, and some of you, it takes you a little bit of time to collect your thoughts. And for some of you, it's even a battle. It's a battle to fight to get on top of the day and to be positive and to be encouraging or to think encouraging thoughts about life and about others. <laughs> okay? So I, I understand that. So not all of you are going to be quick to this thing. So not all of you have the gift of encouragement. But all of you have the ability to encourage. And that's where I want us to land, or that's where I want us to camp, is right there on this idea that, hey, I can encourage someone else, and I can be diligent about doing that. And so I'm asking you to rethink uh, your personality a little bit, and maybe make the effort sometimes, you know? You think about someone, and they say something to you, and you just... You just like blow it off or you maybe ignore it or you don't know really kind of what to say you know maybe you, maybe you could ask someone I've done this several times uh, over the years many, many times over the years actually I don't know how to respond to someone in their particular situation or, or what they're going through and I just look at them and very honestly I ask them a question how can I encourage you what, what can I do that would encourage you and would help you right now and you know what a number of them have said just the fact that you asked made a difference. And some of them will say, I don't know. 
But if you just could just stay here for, for a few minutes. All right? They're not asking you to fix it. They're not asking you to explain it. They're asking you to stay. Be present. You don't have to do anything. All right? Your very presence. Understand this. You have been given the Spirit of God to dwell in you. There is a light in you that has power and authority to push back darkness. You carry in you the presence of God. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Get filled up with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit and then bring what you have. And it may just be your very presence in a place. I've seen people walk in a room and the atmosphere of that room, that whole room just changes. Simply because that person is there. It is not them. It is the Spirit of God in them that changes the place, that changes the dynamics that are going on. You can make a difference. All right? Let me give you just, just two more ideas to, to back this up here, okay? I, I want you to understand that there's a direct correlation here about this whole thing of, of the second coming of, of Christ and, and, and uh, the, the, the level of, of stuff that, that we go through, okay? Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. It's in that, that wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture that talks about the, the, the second coming of Christ. And I think it's one of, the, one of the really, really great ones because it says in that particular passage that he is coming in. I read it to you at the beginning. That's our key, key passage today, okay? All right, well, let's go to that one verse out of there and pull verse 18 out of that, that key passage and, and hear what it says in verse 18. <coughs> Thank you, that was very encouraging. <laughs> that wasn't planned, all right? Uh, Therefore... Because of what has just been said, that Jesus is coming again, all right? Therefore, encourage one another with these words, all right? But he doesn't stop right there. He goes a little further down in chapter 5, verse 11, and he says, Therefore, encourage one another. Now, that's what he just said in verse 18 of chapter 4. Encourage one another. But then he elaborates on that here and says, And build each other up, all right? Don't tear somebody down. Build them up. God is about building the kingdom. And He's about people in the kingdom being built up. We're all guilty, okay? We're, we've all been there where we said something that discouraged someone or we said something that tore someone down. And maybe not even to their faces, but we did it in some other uh, situation away from them, all right? But we need to be encouraging one another and building each other up through this this reality that Jesus is coming again. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you sat with someone and either person just brought up that Jesus is coming again as a sense of encouragement and excitement? I spoke to someone this weekend um, who said to me, uh, we just had an earthquake a few days ago and now we're having a hurricane. Is Jesus coming again? There was no excitement in their demeanor or in their voice at all. There, there was uncertainty. All right, is this it? And I said, I don't know. Because this Bible that I've been quoting to you today says, we don't know the times. Jesus says, it's not for you or for me to know the times of the Father. 
Our responsibility is to respond to the truth of God, which is to encourage one another in that Jesus is coming again. So I want to challenge you and I that that, 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 is, that is where we stay. We stay in that place of, of building each other up. All right? Now, two last verses of Scripture and we'll be done here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. In other words, while you still may, while, while you're still able to do so. In these times, all right, difficult times that... What are these times all about? Let, let, me, let me find that passage in uh, Matthew chapter 24. Yeah, let, let's, listen to this. People will come in my name and they will say they're the Messiah and they will deceive many. So many people will be deceived in, in the end times. You'll hear about wars. You'll hear rumors of wars. All right? And, 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 and don't let yourself get alarmed, it says. And then, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes, oh my, all right? All in various places, all right? It says when you see all these things, that's the beginning of the birth pain. That's the start. You need to understand and become aware. In other words, you need to see that that's the budding of the fig tree, so to speak. That's the analogy that Jesus uses in this passage. When you see a, a, a fig tree and it starts to bud, you know that the season of its fruit is coming. You know that it's already in that season. When you see these kinds of things happening, you need to know that you're in the season of the coming of Jesus. It says, then, after all of that has happened for a season, there's some other things that's going to happen. You're going to get persecuted. You could get put to death. You could get hated by people because of Jesus. Many people are going to turn away from the faith. Not only are they going to turn away, they are going to betray people and they're going to hate each other. False prophets are going to rise up. A great increase of wickedness. People who have love in their heart, that love's going to grow cold. But the one who stands to the end will be saved. I'm going to tell you about me. If I've got to live in those kinds of circumstances, I'm going to need to be encouraged. If I'm going to stand for the gospel and preach the gospel... And, 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 and bring you into uh, living the gospel and, and propagating the gospel to others like we're doing now, you're going to need to be encouraged. This, I, I believe that this is something God really wants, and this is on his heart for the days ahead. I believe God wants to reestablish a huge love in the church for one another and a huge care for one another and he wants to do this in powerful ways by transforming our hearts and, and helping us to begin to see the good in each other and build each other up and all of that. All right? So be encouraged. Encourage one another daily as long as you have today to do that. All right? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is another reason I'm just I, I'm, I'm pumped about this encouragement thing is I, I, if I... My interpretation of this is if I'm encouraging you more, you are less likely to be deceived by the enemy. You are more likely to follow God. You're more likely to stay passionate about God We're just because we're encouraging one another. Last scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Don't give up meeting together. What happens when people get depressed, when they get upset, when they get angry, when they feel alone? They go off by themselves. What happens when people get offended? They don't come back. They get angry. 
they, they go off by themselves. The devil so wants to isolate the body of Christ. He wants to make every one of you a loner. It is absolutely essential that we begin to understand something about the church. It is God's plan. It is God's way. It isn't perfect. It isn't complete. But it is God's way. And it is in the church with one another that we find strength and encouragement. So, don't quit meeting together. Some are already in the habit of doing that. Getting together with the body doesn't matter to them anymore. They're, they're actually in the habit of not getting together. All right? But you should encourage one another. And all the more as you see that day approaching. What day? The day of the coming of Jesus. The closer and closer we feel that we are getting to the coming of Jesus Christ, the more we need to be encouraging each other. Why? Because the more the world is going downhill and sin is abounding. And that's the correlation. As, G, as the time of Christ nears, there's more sin and, and, and crazy stuff going on in the world around us. And so you and I need to be on guard, not only for ourselves, but for one another. And we need to encourage each other and bless each other. And I really believe that that will make a huge difference in the life of the church. Folks, if you're not in a life group, you need to be in one. You need to be in some kind of small group of people. You need to be developing relationships in the body of Christ. You need to be getting together with one another. You need to have some, some prayer people, that, uh, others in the body that you're praying with at, at different times. And I know we're all busy, but the reality is we're too busy if we're staying alone and we're not finding places of encouragement or being able to encourage others. The enemy is robbing us in that place. If your family life is so busy that you can't find your way into the church, you are too doggone busy. That's all there is to it. And if you're not coming and being a part of the body of Christ in some capacity, in some manner, I'm not trying to be legalistic here, and I hope that you understand my heart here. I'm not expecting that you be in church every Sunday. Obviously, we're not very legalistic about that, or we'd have more people here today. <laughs> All you on the podcast, I love you so much. All right? The issue isn't that you be in life church every Sunday. The issue is that you are connected in the body of Christ, that you have fellowship, and that you're encouraging one another, and you're doing something to keep each other on task and on focus and committed so that you don't get cut off by the enemy. And he's not at your door crouching like a, ro a roaring lion, able to get you into that place where he can take you out because now you're all alone and vulnerable. Stay connected. Stay committed. And stay encouraged in Jesus' name. All right, Pastor. Minute to uh, pray with you, and also give you an opportunity. For some of you today, maybe this wasn't uh, encouraging because maybe you've never come to that place in your life where you've said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow Him. I want to find that hope that one day He is coming back. Uh, because if you have not done that, if you've not put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus, then his coming back is not good news because that will also be a day of judgment. And uh, we'd be amiss if we didn't tell you that, that uh, it will be great news for all those who believe, who are found in Christ. But it will be terrible news for everyone else. And uh, so I want to take a minute to tell you that, and I want to offer a time of prayer. Um, one of the reasons why we feel so compelled to share the gospel every week is because we don't want to assume that just because you're in the church, you are a Christ follower. 
Maybe you're here today and you've wrestled with this for many years, or maybe you've just said, hey, I'll, I'll check it out one more time. Uh, maybe you've been wounded in the church or whatever. There's a million ways that people can walk into church on Sunday morning, and, and this is the most important message that you could ever hear. And uh, so the first reason we share it is because we don't assume that just because you're here today that you have given your life to Christ. The second reason we share this every week is because you need to become fluent in gospel language. Every single one of us needs to be good at sharing this story. I'm convinced that we all need to be master storytellers. When it comes to the gospel, this is the greatest story. This is the story that saved us. This is the story that we hope in. This is the story that gives us joy every day when we wake up. If you're bad at telling the story, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong that you, maybe it hasn't sunk deep down into your heart. And so you need to pray, Holy Spirit, I'm not very good at telling the story of what's changed my life. I mean, if, if somebody gave you a million dollars, you'd be good at telling that story. I guarantee it. You've been given much more than that. You've been given all of eternity uh, with Jesus. And so the story is this. Uh, in the beginning, God created uh, the earth and he created human beings and he created everything perfect. And mankind rebelled against God, went his own way, and was separated from God. It's called sin. And now you and I, every one of us is born into sin. We're all born sinners. That's why you don't need to teach your kids how to lie. I don't need to teach mine anyway. They just do it naturally. Uh, We all have this sinful, fallen nature about us. And that sin is so gross to God. My sin, your sin, is so gross to God no matter how much stuff you've done or haven't done, that He crucified His own Son for your sin and for mine. Sometimes I think we make the mistake of thinking, I'm not so bad because we compare ourselves to the worst of humankind. But do you realize that your sin was so serious to God that He crucified His own Son on the cross, put Him through hell for you and for me? That's how serious sin is. It's a big deal. And He did that so that, we, so that the punishment for sin could be paid. He's a just God. We talk about how He's loving, and we love to talk about how He's loving. He is loving, and that's why He sent His Son. But He's also perfectly just, and that means He always gives the right punishment for the right crime. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So what we've earned by our sin is we've earned death, eternity, and hell. But God in His love and His mercy sent His own Son to take our punishment, to take our place so that we don't have to pay the penalty for our own sin. I always say that sin is dealt with in one of two places. Either you get to deal with your own sin, living eternity in hell, which the Bible promises, or Jesus deals with it at the cross. And I pray that you would make that decision today. If you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never repented of your sin and said, Jesus, I want you to take the punishment of my sin. I'm giving my life to you. I'm turning from my sin. I'm repenting of it. And I'm giving my whole life to you. Then we want to pray with you today. Pastor Bill and I will be up here after the service. And you can just come and get prayer. If you're needing encouragement for your walk with Jesus, you say, I am a believer, but man, I'm not very encouraged today. I'm pretty discouraged by the things going on around me. We want to pray with you too. So come on forward. There's going to be some music playing. And the rest of you can go encourage each other out there and uh, bless each other. Um, Remind each other that, hey, Jesus is coming back. There is hope. There's hope in this life because we're already engrafted into him. And so uh, let me pray for you and then we'll invite you forward. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this message today from Pastor Bill.
We thank you that we can always be encouraged every single day, no matter what circumstances we are in, because you have bought us our encouragement. You've paid for it with the blood of your own son, Jesus Christ, and you've reminded us today that our hope is not in this world and it is not in this life. Our hope is not that things will just finally get better or that we'll finally make more money or that we'll finally be free from our physical suffering. Our hope is that one day, Jesus, you are returning for us. As the bridegroom returns for his bride, that you are coming back. And that day will be amazing. It will be beyond what we can imagine when you take us home to be with you forever. And so let our hearts not hope in this small little puff, little breath of a life. But let our hearts hope in eternity with you, Father. Let our hearts hope in what is to come and not in this short little existence that we have here on earth. I pray for those who are here today who have never given their lives to you, Jesus. Who have never asked you to save them from their sin. Cleanse them. I pray that uh, you would give them the strength to come forward, the humility to come forward and, and to simply pray and receive you today. To give their whole lives to follow you the rest of their days so that in the end they will be saved. We offer you up this time, Holy Spirit. We thank you for each one of these people in here today. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.